0: Thanks for signing up for the Public Beta Podcast for Friday, March 26th, 2021. Spring has given summer and autumn a miss, and we have gone right back into winter. Your host this week, myself, Leanne Reed. Hi. Are you shocked by snow?
1: Uh, It was funny enough, I woke up at like 4 a.m. because I couldn't sleep, so I went outside for a quick smoky smoke, and uh, sure enough, it looked like it was fucking blizzarding outside. I had snowflakes the size of fists coming at
0: my face. God damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, Reed, you've been filling your time with uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yes. Of and uh, Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> yes. And I, not many video games, I'm to understand.
1: Uh,
0: what's that? And, and not too many video no, games. No, no, I'm, I'm,
1: like, I'm only watching JoJo's and uh, the Snyder Cut while playing video games, Lee. Oh, I see. Yeah, you got to get two bo- two birds How do you, stone at once. Are you,
0: so, yeah, exactly. Are you, doing, are you doing dubs
1: in that case? Yeah, for JoJo, in this case, I am watching dubs, uh, which is fine. The JoJo dubs are pretty all right, all things considering. Uh, the only times I ever would go about, like, okay, time to turn off the game, watch JoJo's and put on the subs is during certain select scenes. But the thing about sure. JoJo's that you may not know is that it's, um, it's very much, uh, like, like, two episodes will be dedicated to one goon of the bad guy, like, one goon of the bad guy's team. They kill him, sure. and they move on to the next goon, and then when you get to the final five or six episodes is when it's really devoted to the main villain. Um, so for all those episodes, you don't. Really, it's not that you don't need to pay attention, because I'm still aware of everything going on, but you don't need to be glued to the fucking TV screen.
0: Filler, as it were.
1: Sure. The t- the Snyder Cut yeah. was just like, who, like... Speaking of
0: speaking of fucking filler...
1: <laughs> yeah, the Snyder Cut's just like, I'm not, I'm not not gonna play video games while this is going on. Like, this is totally a background movie, for sure. Uh,
0: yeah. I'm not gonna give... I covered some <laughs>
1: of uh, your thoughts
0: and the thoughts at large on that movie on the uh, Tits the Iceberg podcast, yeah. so I, I don't know if there's anything more that bears saying about it. Um other than I, I went looking for some quick video game news just to make sure we don't miss anything kind of obvious, and uh, it's all superheroes. It's every every story on any on any blog website is about a superhero TV show, streaming show, movies getting dated. Um, as we emerge uh, from the pandemic here uh, in the next how many months, it seems like now it's time to start lining stuff up. So like Black Widow got redated. Uh, they got that that uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon joint out. The Suicide Squad, the the official second trailer for that movie has come out, and uh, that's looking rad as hell. Hell yeah! So well, I yeah. shouldn't say hell yeah. yeah. I
1: don't really give a fuck to be honest, but yeah, no,
0: no, yeah. It's like it's funny to see that uh, what happened with James Gunn, wherein some old tweets of his uh, resurface. The guy gets semi-canceled. Back when like. If you compare canceling when he was uh, shut down to now, it's a very different thing, but uh, Disney kicked him to the curb and uh, Warner Brothers is like, we'll take that action. We don't mind people calling other people retards and stuff like that. Sign (laughs) them up. Uh, So they go ahead and give this guy a Suicide Squad movie and hopefully let him uh, do his own thing and don't edit. And and you know micromanage the shit out of it. If they were smart, but now, <laughs> but but since then, Disney has taken him back, and it's James Gunn doing Guardians Three. Yeah. In, so now in, it's
1: in no yeah, small but, part, though, to the Guardians cast saying that they wouldn't come back if James didn't come back. Like, there's a little bit of a caveat there.
0: Sure. I uh, yeah. Sure. Uh but also now Disney uh, Disney gets to deal with watching. It's basically like they broke up with James Gunn. They were on a break. James Gunn found like a, a hot piece on the side. And now, uh, months later, even though James Gunn is back with Disney, uh, a fuck tape is coming out in theaters. And it's going to be two and a half hours long and have a big starfish in it. So
1: hell yeah, Disney's
0: going to have to just deal with that shit. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, let's talk about video games video instead of games. fucking superhero movies. Uh, what have you been playing while uh, con- consuming as much JoJo's Bizarre Adventure as possible?
1: Uh, well, it was only one part. Like I only have one season of JoJo's to watch, so yeah, uh, I moved on to other bad anime. Um, I shouldn't say other <laughs> bad anime. JoJo's is fucking really good. I should say I moved on to bad anime. Um, Worse anime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what I've been playing is still a little bit of Destiny Two. That Diminishing Returns is starting to settle in. I play it with another guy from work. Uh, and we're both like addicts. Um, but another guy from work who also used to play Destiny said that every time you play Destiny, you'll play a little bit less each time before putting it back down. And God damn it, he's right because don't really feel like playing it that much anymore. Uh,
0: right, but the fact that you came back at all for how many weeks is right. But, what but that's the point. Right? But that's
1: the thing is like my last time I came back to Destiny was for like three months, and so now it's like one month. I've I've come back to Destiny, and I'm like, oh, I'm good now. So I'm afraid that next Look time I play to, Destiny, uh, it's going to be for, like, a week. And then you're like, ah, fuck, who cares?
0: Yeah. Eventually, you just, like, boot it up for 30 minutes to do one strike yeah, and then it's, it. just, it's just
1: got that feeling again <laughs> of it becoming a bit of a chore. Uh, I shouldn't say, like, a bit of a chore, but, like, y- you know that feeling when you're playing, like, Iron Banner or Gambit, not because you want to play, but because you want the rewards? Like, that shouldn't... Because it's...
0: It, no, it's because it's the most efficient use of your time. That's that's the problem, is that you're like, man, I wish I could get these rewards by just grinding out something else, even for twice as long. But it's it's the fact that, no, 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 you have to hit up Gambit, you have to hit up Crucible if you want these weekly rewards. And if you've done everything else, well, then your, your time is best spent doing that. And I think that's the issue with any service game like this, that is also like semi and MMO, is that you won't want to interface with all that content but you'll always feel like you're you're fucking up by not doing it so yeah uh,
1: so i've decided to put my time into something else which is final fantasy x 2 um, oh
0: yeah fucking,
1: oh yeah fucking wild, fucking wild so i got i got a lot to say <laughs> about this this like most fascinating and weirdest fucking game i may have ever played so, for those of you who don't know, Final Fantasy X is my favorite game of all time. It's not even fucking close how much I prefer this game over other video games.
0: And now, X-2 is your second favorite video <laughs> fa- <No.
1: laughs> Yeah, like, Ten is just such an emotional, uh, personal experience for me that I've played in the worst and best times of my life. I've played it, like, 50 fucking times. I know it like the back of my hand, and every- it never gets less emotional for me. And what I love about 10, especially is their world building. It's a very melancholy feeling game, right? It's very mm-hmm. dour. It's all about death and the cycle of death and how a spear can't escape it. Every time you talk to an NPC, they always have something that adds onto the atmosphere or the world. Then you get to fucking 10 too, and it's just it's, it's all it's all it's all fucky.
0: It's flipped on its head. The apocalypse is over. Right, but... Everybody's... Ha- right, so, it, but, you've played Final Fantasy 10 50 fucking times, and it's your favorite game of all time, and you never picked up 10-2.
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: I've, that's I've tried like to insane. play.
1: I've tried to play 10-2, I think, twice before, and I made it, like, the first hour, and then I stopped playing... And I, a lot of people are going to think, oh, it's because it's all female cast or it's because of, like, the J-pop idol tone. And it's none I of that. I wouldn't say that. It's none <laughs> of that. Like, I love Persona. I've played a lot of female-centric games. I Fuck, every RPG I ever play with a custom character is a female lead character. Um, it's, it's how absolutely disjointed and missing this narrative and world-building is. Because there is no world-building. They don't explain fucking anything in this goddamn game. Lee, no. yeah. like, get fucked if you didn't play Final Fantasy Ten.
0: The good old days, I like to call it. Yeah,
1: like, <laughs> and that in, in a vacuum is totally fine because I'm assuming most people will have played Ten before going to Ten Two, so I can forgive that bit of it. But there, there is such a thing as like trying to remind even somebody who has played Ten to the extent that I have about certain situations. So like you go to this one area. Like first of all, the game's very open compared to Ten, which I like. It's a very big. I shouldn't say improvement because it's completely different. But I like how yeah,
0: I, you've got like an airship or something early yeah, really yeah, on, I right? I like like you're it, already yeah, yeah. in yeah.
1: Ten too. They're just like fuck it, dude. You went to all these places in Ten. We're assuming you play this right after. So here's every single location you went to in Ten. You can just go there now. So you, that's what I've been doing. I haven't touched the story yet. I've just been going to all these areas that you can in Ten. And you find neat little missions that's like, escort this fucking guy with a cart, or find a Waka, because (laughs) he has debt. And it's like, I love the the easy breezy (laughs) feel of this game in comparison to Ten. that it does just feel like, you know, you're kind of just like a sphere hunter going around. But like I said...
0: now, read. What the fuck is a sphere hunter?
1: Yeah, that, that's what I'm getting into. But there's so much fucking wrong with this game because it doesn't explain anything, even to someone who played ten. Uh, the game opens with Yuna being like, "And that's when I joined the Gullwings, and the Gullwings are sphere hunters. And sphere what hunters are, well, no <laughs> us." I'm like, "Okay, that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't fucking answer anything." And then I'm like, "I'm like, even to me, I know what spheres are. I played Final Fantasy X." But you don't really know what spheres are. You just know that they help you boost your stats, and they're, like, filled with magicka. But they don't explain And unlock
0: doors in the shrines.
1: Yeah. So I'm going through this one area. You get to this door, and this fucking guy shows up. And this guy was a guardian for a summoner you talked to twice in Final Fantasy X. Yuna does not refer to this guy by name. He just starts asking him about his brother, who he does not talk about. And he just starts talking about his other brother as if he fucking known these guy for 20 years. And it's, it's not like a case of like, oh, hey, Yuna. And Yuna's like, oh, I remember you. You are blank from blank, who is the brother of blank. Like, there's none of that. This game constantly feels like it's missing one third of its dialogue. The best scene I can use to encompass how weird this fucking game is, is when you go to find the Guado. So the Guado in Final Fantasy X Are like a religious kind of tall people race, whatever. The only (laughs) long fingers, yeah. The only real people you interact with of the Guado is Seymour, who's basically the primary antagonist outside of Sin of Final Fantasy X. And then he has has a great boss, yeah. He has an assistant named Trommel, and Trommel is representative of the actual Guado people. He explains in Final Fantasy X. That Seymour is integral to their people because he united them when they were all scattered. He gave them all a purpose and all in the same place. When you're walking around Guado Salam where they live in Final Fantasy X and you talk to the Guado, they all speak to him in high reverence. They talk about their people, their culture, right. uh, their home. Final Fantasy X too. So- Okay, you go to Guado Swamp, and none of them are there, and they just say that the Guado left. That's all they say. They don't say why they left, like, because they're <laughs> shamed or anything like that. So you're like, okay, whatever. I'm going through the game again, and I get to Macalania Woods, and I get to this one area where you fight a giant sphere in Final Fantasy X, and I'm like, who who knows what's going to be in here? Maybe some treasure or some shit. I go in there, and sure enough, there's three Guado, okay? There's three Guado gotcha. elite. And yep mm-hmm. Like, the three Guados. There's yeah. three Guado. <laughs> only three. And you're like, well, these three must have a lot of fucking dialogue to explain all the things that happened with Seymour after he got killed, the Guado and their people and their culture. Like, like the Guado are big they're one of the three main races of Spear. Like they have to have something to talk about. Go to the first Guado, and all they say is, We fled from Guado Salam. That's it. You go to the second Kay. Guado, and he just goes, we are gathering our people here. Okay. You're like, okay. So then you th- see the third Guado, and sure enough, it's Trommel. One of the two interactive Guado, basically, from the first game that you have any sort of story with. And you have to keep right. in mind, he was, like, Seymour's biggest advocate, and he re- he was depressed that his people were scattered and shit. And all he goes is, oh, Lady Yuna. Like, and you're like, Hi. He's like, we're so sorry about Seymour, but after Seymour died, all our people scattered, and now the Guado are are no more. Then all oh. Yuna says is, oh, and then the cutscene
0: ends. Yeah, but also fuck the Guado, you know?
1: No, but that's not my fucking point, Lee. Like, like how good of a job did 10 of building up this race with just simple dialogue, explain the culture, the people... Uh, how important Seymour was to them, their scattering and uh, unation and all that stuff. And in this game, it's just like, oh, Seymour died and we fucked off. And all Yuna has to say about that, the person that's responsible for scattering these people again is just, oh, and then the cutscene ends. Like, surely this would have been a great moment for him to be like, the Guadalur all fucked up, and Yuna could have had some dialogue about how she feels responsible for this, and Riku and Payne have to back her up and assure her that it's not her fault. She was just doing what's right. But no, 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 none of that. Just the guadalurl gone, and Yuna's like, oh, whatever, and you fucking move on with your day. What,
0: what about the opening cutscene of that game where Yuna is singing like an idol made you think that a scene like that that you just described would be possible in Final Fantasy X-2? What do you mean, possible? <laughs> just like the tone of the game. It's not interested in that same melancholy vibe that the you know, original but has. I'm not
1: my problem is not the is not the lack of a of atmosphere. Like I said at the beginning, I love the J pop atmosphere and easy going breezy attitude of this game. But that does not forgive yeah. uh just looking over such a huge development of one of your three main races and Yuna who is directly responsible just going, Oh like like I said, it feels like there's missing one-third of the dialogue in this game. Like, there should have been, like, three or four lines about Yuna and Pain and Riku. Just because this game has a, has a very fun atmosphere and theme doesn't mean it's immune from having mature discussions about anything. Like, I don't think this game is ever going to touch upon anything that the first game did that I found particularly interesting. It's very worrying
0: that... I, I've never gotten to the end. I'm very curious if you will see it through... Uh, like the battle I would assume system, the, the battle system being so fun. It's alone so would, fun,
1: yeah. Like it's it's yeah. a fucking great time. But yeah, it's just all the NPCs you talk to just have a very unfulfilling dialogue. Or in ten, they would have two or three text boxes to go through. Uh, there's one in here, and they're all just generic sentences like "Welcome to Luca" or "This is Besaid Island." Like it's it's very it, it's it's I mean, very it's been rushed over. Uh,
0: it's been almost two decades since that game came out, so I don't I don't remember the circumstances of which that game came out. Of course, at the time, it was the first time they had made a numbered direct sequel to a Final Fantasy game that I can think of. Right. It's just um, as far
1: as world building and actual quality of dialogue and 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 cutscenes that make sense go. It's a huge step down from Final Fantasy X. A huge step well, down.
0: <laughs> Right, but then compare it to its contemporaries. Compare what you're playing right now and its dialogue to something like Final Fantasy XIII, and I'd say you're better. right on the mark, buddy.
1: No, thirteen is better. I played both games somewhat recently. Like thirteen, you don't have to enjoy the story or characters of thirteen, but it does explain its fucking story, and it's like its characters. The talk. story's dumb, and its characters <laughs> talk about things that are happening to them.
0: Sure. All right. That's my, rant yeah, on th- especially with uh, that's my rant on... Especially too. with limiting the party to just three characters, you'd think you'd be able to do a deeper dive, especially having Riku there. Right, and you have and, you uh, have Pain
1: right there who wasn't in 10, so anything that needs to yeah. be explained can be explained to Pain, because Pain all has to do is ask, what's that? I wasn't really into Yevon or anything like that.
0: S- yeah, so, not a big Yevon fan. Yeah,
1: and then all you have to say, oh, spheres are gathering of magicka, and they give you power. Okay, great, you explained it. Or like, Yuna, or Payne's like, who are the Guado and who's Seymour? And then Yuna can just give some brief dialogue, or feel guilty about it, or some emotion. Fuck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you haven't really pushed the main plot, though, so you don't know that there's like a, I don't Like, I don't want to spoil anything. I don't know if you care. I'm like trying to think of what I remember of this game that you haven't touched on yet but y- yuna's looking for titus in this game
1: right she the story is she got a she found a sphere one day of a guy that looks like titus
0: right and yeah. then she's like okay are we going titus is this like an eris erith thing we are going to pronounce it sure the way we it was is, i'm
1: pretty sure titus is the canon pronunciation but ever since i was a kid yeah. i always no, said t- I, yeah. I always said titus so i can't not do titus
0: cuz titus makes way more sense cuz of the water shit and it just sounds better titus uh, yeah better than Titus damn Tetis. uh yeah, I think that was Desidia or something it yeah, so was like Tetis. If, if, if,
1: <laughs> if I start playing the story and then they like start explaining things and people have long dialogue and stuff, I'll take back my words, but for now it's fucking yeah. crazy
0: <laughs> it's yeah, I remember it being like melodramatic and her uh searching for any any like it's her only lead to find out where he's he's gone and i remember I, I remember how that game wraps up i don't remember the specifics of it so i'd like no, uh, I've if seen, you can recount it if you yeah, get there. i've seen all the yeah.
1: endings and stuff yeah
0: oh shit well there you go yeah. yeah uh yeah as a final fantasy game structurally it's unique and pretty damn fun in terms of the dress fear system and the uh active time Battler and stuff and like the that grid, all too. that stuff is really cool yeah 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 too bad about uh bad about that random npc dialogue i mean i get what you mean it's uh right it feels like it, they... it
1: feels like you're playing a like final fantasy like two on the nest like it's just very unfulfilling dialogue well wow.
0: shots fired at Final <laughs> two. uh all right let's uh what, what anything else you've been playing no 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 that was my big rant for the no, day no fuck it what have you been uh, playing yes yeah, so I'm brushing up against the end, as I always say, of Yakuza Kawami 2. Now listen to me. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something here. This is a game that I keep looking at the trophy list for and at the completion list for, and thinking, No, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna platinum this game. And then you hit a wall uh, at multiple times in the game when you're like, no one in their right mind would continue to play this game to do all of this, and I love the game. So like at nearer the end in chapter twelve where I am uh, you unlock a Majima sub-story, and as far as I'm concerned, none of this existed in the original release of Yakuza 2, and it's strictly something they've added to the Kiwami release as a bit of fan service, and also to fill in some of the gaps between the two games. Perfect. Fine. Excellent. Yeah, uh, I really like Majima as a character, so the opportunity to play as him again and advance some of his personal story is interesting to me, uh, and that's fine. Some of the fan service comes from... There's like an unrequited... Love City Lights-esque moment in Yakuza 0 where uh, Majima has, uh, has has sheltered a girl who is psychologically blind because of terrible things that have happened to her. And basically you have this tough, insane gangster uh, with a heart of gold who's like fighting to the death to save this, this girl that he's met. Uh, and it, it, it never goes anywhere for him. And then she gets her sight back. And uh, inevitably he doesn't uh, want her to see him for what he really is. And they part ways. Beautiful. In this Majima sub-story, spoilers for, for Yakuza, if anybody cares, uh, you Majima goes to a massage, massage parlor, and lo and behold, she's working there. Of course, she doesn't recognize him. Uh, they get to talking, um, and there's a good line of dialogue where Majima's leaving, and she's just like, oh, do you feel better? And he's like, yeah, you worked out some knots I've had for like 18 years or whatever, and he comments on her watch uh, and that she's she's gone on to live a pretty normal life. She has a successful husband and a kid already, and uh, Majima is is satisfied. He doesn't... He doesn't uh, regret or or anything like that. He's a very complex character in that way that he's loyal uh, to to the the rule of law and to uh, his family, basically. Uh, Really cool. Then there's a scene later where she's on a plane and she finds that someone slipped a gift into her thing and it's a replacement strap for the watch. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, if I know uh, anime, she's going to immediately realize, just based on this, that the guy she massaged (laughs) was Majima and it's going to come full circle. (laughs) and she has that moment where like the screen flashes white and then she sees like Majima and she's like oh yeah it's him. Uh, so basically that that cool ending from from Yakuza uh, 0 is something that they revisit here and pay off and i like that quite a bit. Uh, Majima also got a he, he's he's Kiryu's rival. They they at first he's he's more of an adversary but they kind of become friendly rivals uh later uh, in later games to the point where Majima starts working for the Tojo clan and he becomes someone that Kiryu can actually re- rely on and uh it's it's a coo- coo- cool dynamic between the two of them and honestly I think Ichiban from uh from like a Dragon is kind of a mix of these two characters like having that stoic uh, virtue of a Kiryu, but having the insane, over the top characterization of, of Majima. No, no. Uh, so
1: there's uh, more of like an idiot, like a lovable, yeah, idiot. Like, a, like a dweeb. Yeah, he's a yeah. lovable <laughs> idiot. He's <laughs> a
0: little loser. Uh, so there, it's there's two warring uh, clans within uh, within uh, Can- the Kanto region, basically not Pokemon. <laughs> and, uh, Team Talitown Rocket and... going to, yeah, Viridian City and Saffron are, are having a war. Uh, so basically in the crossfire of some infighting, one of the uh, Umi All- Omi Alliance's uh, soldiers get killed and they're looking for any reason to start a war with the Tojo clan. You learn that Majima uh, actually uh, disbands his entire family to take the heat off of the Tojo clan to uh, to basically extend the peace another year. And uh, this is like a selfless thing for this man to have, to have done and you learn that he's got this... This set of morals to him. And he learned it in Yakuza 0 that this is a guy who doesn't kill women and children. Uh, it, it, like He's got virtues to him. Even though he's an insane psychotic killer. He walks around with a knife. He doesn't have a shirt on. He's usually wearing like a, a snake skin or an alligator skin Is this the uh, eye vest patch guy? Or, or, what's that? Is
1: this the eye patch guy?
0: The eye patch guy. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. That's, that's Majima. Uh so he and he's a bit of comedy to his character as well. So the next scene you see him, he's on a construction site and all of his his like soldiers, his yakuza guys are all standing there like still in their suits, but they're all wearing hard hats. And they're just like, wow, you really disbanded it. And he's like, yeah, they all understand that he did what he did to save everyone's lives and to prevent like a huge war breaking out between the yakuza. And uh one of the guys like speaks up and he's just like, you know, we're all amateurs. We, we can't just switch our job from gangster to, like, construction worker. And Majima, like, gets in his face and throws him on the ground. He's like, look it up on the internet. Let's get going. And then there's a whole sub-story in the Kiryu plot, in the main plot, where you help Majima uh, defend his construction business against actual real-life Japanese wrestlers. Uh, <laughs> and you actually unlock them on your team. So I've got, like, Okada, Tanahashi. I've got everybody... Uh, Goddamn. It, it's, it's so fucking ridiculous. But the thing I wanted to talk about is for everything we know of Majima, there's a scene, of course, where one of the other uh, higher ranking uh, Tojo guys reveals that he's got a plot uh, to basically fuck shit up. Like, it, it, he explains this whole plot at plot, uh, gunpoint, you kick his fucking ass, and Majima actually, like, leaves this guy alive afterwards. And my question to you, Reed is when characters kill indiscriminately, I would consider Majima to be, like, a a chaotic, lawful character. Yeah. uh, That he follows the rules, and he likes to maintain balance, but he will do so by uh, murdering people in the street if he has to. The
1: ends justify the means.
0: Right. Uh, And he does have that moral code. And I find that with any character that's like, hey, no women, no kids, uh, immediately you're like, oh, well, that justifies them cutting 200 (laughs) men to death with a sword... Yeah, uh. <laughs> I uh,
1: there, I think there's a little bit to be said that, like, the hundred years of conditioning, we, conditioning we've had by media, like, to treat it as not real and understand that, like, if you're playing an action game or watching an action movie that you're just going to see a lot of dudes get blown up.
0: Yeah. I think there's something to
1: be said about just, like there is a certain level of trust between the developer and the player that like, like you're going to have to kill people but don't take it too much into consideration when considering the character's morality I think it's different when we're talking about a character like the Punisher where Punisher
0: my, was my go-to because I was sitting there last night and my, my wife was, was nearby watching and I'm like, do you consider the Punisher to be like an irredeemable evil character and she said no
1: well, yeah, that's diff- what I'm trying to say is it's different for Punisher because his whole character, the whole point of his comic is, is the Punisher evil or not? I think if you look at a game like Yakuza, is it in theory possible to go through most of the game without random battles and just, like, not beating people up?
0: I I mean, to an extent. A lot of the sub-stories end with you having to punch someone in the face. Right, so that's but, you're not killing them, right? Problems.
1: but you're not killing them, right? Well... <laughs> But that's, th- but, that's, that's, but that's what I mean, is, like, yeah. you and me could play Yakuza a completely different ways where I don't get into too many battles, and me, personally, I wouldn't consider punching someone in the face, killing them. You and me co- might come out with different interpretations of the morality of this character. Where I like whereas I might think, oh, okay, well it's a video game, like of course I'm gonna be killing or beating up dudes, like that's just the way it is. As far as canon goes, I don't consider him evil just because unless he's murdering thousands of dudes in a cutscene, it's it's way too hard to Yeah. It's it's they, a hard question. They
0: of, <laughs> yeah, they, they go out of their way to, to rehab the characters and show that uh, they're responsible for a lot of things and these are not good guys. These are not these are not squeaky clean heroes, but uh, here here's a list of their virtues, which is why you like them and you want to see them succeed, and ultimately uh, they are the ones trying to avoid the bloodshed. They're the ones to, uh, trying to avoid gangsters spilling into the streets and innocents being killed and stuff like that. There's a cool scene, uh, again, more spoilers for the end of the game, but the only way they can get at Kiryu at a certain point, because he's an orphan, he doesn't have any family, is he has an adoptive daughter in uh, Haruka, and they go to the orphanage, and the Sengoku guy, is one of the, uh, the chairman of the Omi Alliance, like, kidnaps a girl. Uh, so it's like, you gotta storm this fucking castle, kill all these samurai with your fists, and, uh, save this girl after fighting two tigers. And before you get the satisfaction of getting your hands on this Sengoku guy, uh, go Ryu is there, who's the main villain you might have seen from the front cover. He's the blonde, huge, hulking man, uh, cuts him in half with a sword, basically, uh, and says, like, hey... Now, this is a guy, mind you, that you hate the shit out of and you want to get your hands on as well, Uh, but there's a moment in, like, a scene here where this big bad guy has now cut down his own man, saying, we don't fuck with kids, like, that's not, if that's how you're gonna go about this, I'm taking you out myself. Uh, And that's kind of the beauty of the Yakuza games, is that the characters are a little more nuanced, and it's cool to see them interact, therefore, and... Man, uh, I'll probably be wrapping up that game for good this weekend because I can't anymore, man. I've done so much. People don't understand. Look at that completion list, and I'm going to tell you I'm 90% done. And this includes doing things like, in Chapter 12, Haruka has requests for you while you're in Osaka or in uh, Sotenbury. And she's like, hey, I want to go eat something at this restaurant. So you fucking drag her over there. And a little bar increases of her, like, friendship level. <laughs> and she's like, hey, I want to see you kick ass in this golf minigame. And I go play this golf minigame three times. And I'm like, I could play this for the next ten hours and not accomplish this thing. And it is zero zero point one percent of what I need to do to 100% this game and platinum it. So at a certain point, I just got to finish that game and move the fuck on. Yeah, uh, yeah. speaking of moving the fuck on. Uh, we're gonna scrap the news today, just so we can uh, get a head start on. I uh, uh, got some real quick stuff. Uh, Shimogami Tensei Three Nocturne got dated for May. Hello. Whether or not me or Reed will tackle that game, I don't know. How are you feeling Lee? on on playing that game again? Whoa. It's coming to PC.
1: That was weird. Can you say that again? Some your audio cut out, and then I got like a boop 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 boop.
0: <laughs> That's cool. Oh uh, that's just your uh headphones reconnecting. Uh Shimigami Ten C three, Nocturne, HD remake, coming to yeah. PC, PS4, and Switch. I'm excited for
1: that. Uh Nocturne is a very unique game. It's incredibly difficult. I've heard that it's the most difficult JRPG out there. Uh, I played a little bit of Digital Devil wow. Saga, which came out around the same time, and it kind of fucks with it with some crossover bosses. But yeah.
0: Cool, cool. Uh Cyberpunk is getting another patch that will fix the cops. Oh my god. <laughs> that's it game, that's that's it game saved game saved guys, the cops react properly we both played that game for 40 hours I maybe was chased by the cops one time, I don't know about you Yeah, the cops was the least of
1: my fucking problems with that game dude holy shit
0: dude how do you even get the cops to follow you, do you just have to start cutting up innocence, there's people to chop up everywhere you go that are just gangsters that do not raise the cops attention
1: I don't know man, I don't know Maybe that game's bad. <laughs> I <was laughs> no, I think I think it's exactly what we said on our complete cyberpunk episode. That's four hours long. Go ahead and watch that. Um, in that, it's it's a, it's an okay game. If it hadn't been so hyped, we probably never would have talked about it on our podcast. <laughs> uh,
0: I mean, yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm glad we did what we did there. That was quite the experiment. And uh, the Nintendo Switch, of course. Uh, is getting a major app in uh, Monster Hunter Rise, which is Monster Hunter 6 in the main series, out today. Uh, Capcom has gone back to Nintendo because they need help selling consoles, obviously. Obviously, this means in Japan that if the Switch is going forward as the Monster Hunter machine over the PS5, that the Switch will continue to do gangbusters over there. Um, Monster Hunter could have saved the Vita but they were already in bed with Nintendo on the 3DS yeah, and uh, stuff like it's that. A sh- so. It's a
1: shame for me personally I do like Monster Hunter, but I can't, I simply, like, I don't enjoy Nintendo's online service. It's completely unintuitive and fucked up and doesn't Absolutely. work. Absolutely.
0: Dude, like, and we're paying for it now. And and even down to the, the, the and you know I'm not a graphics queen or, like, a game performance queen, yeah. let's say. Uh, but when it comes to... Uh, when it comes to Monster Hunter, like, we've done this dance before. We've gone from PS2 to PSP, which is a downgrade, and then to Wii to 3DS. The, the quality's been all over the map until Monster Hunter World came out, and it, and it was just like, we got some power. Right? Yeah. yeah.
1: And not even that, it, it's mostly a fact of, I like to play Monster Hunter with friends. That's what makes Monster Hunter really fun. And I'm betting you a hundred fucking dollars in Monster Hunter Rise. You can't just invite your friend to a game. It, it, there's gotta be some bullshit gimmick that they do, cause fucking Nintendo.
0: I I honestly haven't even looked into it. I haven't even considered playing this game online. Uh, I'm just of yeah, no, a solo like, point of view. I, yeah, I'm yeah. not
1: buying this game because of that reason because it's only on Switch.
0: Yeah, no, it's coming to PC in a year, so it might be a console exclusive uh, for for the Switch forever. But if you uh, if you're patient, right, yeah. eventually this game will come to PC and probably look a hell of a lot better. Uh, and, and it's a performance thing too. Like you think of a Monster Hunter game, and you think of what they achieved in world, and then you think of it's this many. It's three years later, and I'll be playing a game that is technically worse uh, oh, in absolutely. many regards than that last it game. Look, is, it is,
1: looks like a shittier game.
0: <laughs> sure, like it looks great for for what it is, but we've seen we've seen the other side. Read and I think it's going to be very... Uh, the portableness of it doesn't do anything for me, because we had multiple years of portable Monster Hunter, and guess what? I found a way to hook my PSP to the goddamn TV and use a DualShock 3 to play Monster Hunter Freedom Unite, uh, which looked <laughs> fec- fucking fantastic on a TV, by the way. Uh, people don't really talk about how the PSP was pretty damn decent. All right, uh, so I'll probably be playing some Monster Hunter Rise this weekend, that all said. Balan Wonderworld is a game from one of the co-creators of Sonic, uh, that has already been patched due to seizure risk, which is now apparently, th- th- that's like a legitimate patch note now, is that people are just releasing games that have like, b- people are being sent to the fucking hospital and, and put into epileptic seizures because they're uh... man, that cyberpunk thing before it was patched, I had to look away. I was like, God damn it. Ow. Uh, and then Xbox is changing its uh, its name from Xbox Live to Xbox Network. Sure. Just less cool. Uh, speaking of less cool, Reed has prepared us a very quick, and I mean very quick <laughs> recap of uh Metal Gear Solid 4. It's, it's 13 minutes long. You could You could fit six thousand and four of these recaps into the final cutscene of Metal Gear Solid 4. It's true. Look it up. Uh so we're gonna go over to Reed now. Hello again.
1: Welcome to Reed's story summary for Metal Gear Solid 4. It's cold as fuck. Uh, I forgot to do this last night. I only have a limited amount of time, but that's alright. Metal Gear Solid 4 is my jam. I'm just gonna I'm just going to do this shit off memory. So Metal Gear Solid 4 takes place after Metal Gear Solid 2 canonically. And at this point in time, Snake has rapidly aged due to the failsafe of the La Infantilib infant project. And so he's old as fuck. And he's also dying like a motherfucker because of the fox die virus he got from Metal Gear Solid 1 because of Naomi. Uh, At this point, Liquid Ocelot, as they're calling him, uh, the Liquid Persona is completely taking over Ocelot. And now he owns and runs the largest PMC in the world. And now the world has become revolved around PMCs and the war economy. And the war economy has been, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Orchestrated by the AIs of the Patriots. Uh, at this point in the story, by the way, we're never going to be talking to the AI again. They are just like a formless, faceless, uh, speechless thing that exists in the universe. Um, so basically, Ocelot, Liquid Ocelot, has gained a little bit of access, and is planning to gain full access to the SOP, which is the Sons of the Patriots system that controls all the soldiers of all the war economy to make them more efficient in battle and all that shit. So, Colonel Roy Campbell, who actually is no longer part of the army, I believe, uh, recruits old fucking Snake to take down Liquid Ocelot before he can do that, uh, because Snake's like the only one that did it, and he's not... Uh, touched by the SOP system So he couldn't be controlled Even though he does have nanomachines in him Uh, so Snake reluctantly Was like, alright, like, I'll do it This is the only thing thing I'm good for Um, and so This begins our great journey So first he goes to a Middle Eastern country Where there's a conflict going on It's just another proxy war, nameless proxy war Between uh, a country And some other private military company Anyway, Snake goes in, uh, basically he finds Meryl, and this is where you are kind of introduced to the SOP system, how it works, and Meryl introduces you to her team, she's now like a higher up in the army and all that shit. Eventually Snake makes it to the end of the level where he finds Liquid Ocelot, before he can do anything, Liquid Ocelot uses his little bit of the control of the SOP system to temporarily shut down all the nanomachines and the surrounding soldiers in the nearby area. Which causes them all to lose their shit And freak out Because all the trauma they caused and everything Has been repressed by the SOP system And now it's coming out It's pouring out baby uh, So they're all freaking out and shit And Snake, it's also affecting him It's causing him just to feel sick And he can't like lo- look at him And uh, you, you gotta lose his sight So that's it He gets picked up by Otacon again By the way, Otacon and Snake have Olga's kid Sunny Sunny is a genius tech wizard and she can't make eggs. Anyway, uh, going on to the next part. You're going to a South American country to find Dr. Naomi Hunter. Uh, once again, this is another proxy war. Re- rebels and a PMC, all that shit. There's another one of Liquid's PMCs. And this one's being run by Lafting Octopus. Uh... This is where you meet Drebin too. Drebin is an agent of the Patriots who sells arms, and he's kind of the canonical reason how you can buy and sell weapons throughout the game. Bunch of shit happens. Uh, you defeat Laughing Octopus in She Strips, and then you meet Dr. Naomi Hunter, and you go into a bunch of exposition. So, before we go into what exactly Naomi goes over with Snake here, I should note that Drebin does inject Snake with some form of nanomachine when you first meet him. What this is exactly is just explained at the beginning as simply a way for Drebin to track Snake, and then it's an in-game reason for him to constantly sell you weapons, and you sell him weapons, etc., etc. So, Naomi just basically does some quick exposition here, confirming some stuff with Snake, the Fox Virus and Snake has now evolved to a point that when he dies, it will spread like a pandemic and kill fucking everybody. So Snake's kind of a ticking time bomb. Uh, I don't know if it's here or later, but basically Naomi also has cancer, and she is repressing that cancer with nanomachines as well. Um, so you take Naomi with you, and you bring her onto your ship with Otacon, Sunny, and her and Sunny bond. So it's at this point that, um, also in South America, sorry, Snake runs into Raiden. Uh, part of the PMC is Vamp from Metal Gear Solid 2, so Raiden is basically tracking him down for revenge. He's also trying to help you out, because uh, there's a part of a bigger bigger thing going on. Um, so it's here that Ryan directs you to find Big Mama in, somewhere in Europe. I forget where, like Prague or some shit. Uh, so basically Snake does that. He just does some sneaky shit. He defeats uh, some raven, Fury Raven, Angry Raven or some shit, and finds Big Mama. The Big Mama is actually Eva from Mega Gear Solid Three, and this is a this is like the biggest expedition. One of the no, it's not the biggest. This is like the third biggest or second biggest expedition dump in the game. Eva basically explains the origins of the Patriots, how they were created by Zero to fulfill the dream of the boss with uh, Naked Snake, Ocelot, Eva, Signet, and Paramedic. Uh, and he was using B- Big Boss as, like, the figurehead of this secret organization, which makes no fucking sense when you think about it. Um, but, yeah, and then eventually, like, Zero got super paranoid because him, like, his vision of what the boss wanted and Big Boss's vision of what the boss wanted are completely different. Whereas Big Boss wants, a, like, a military nation with no sovereignty or government to rule over their soldiers... And Zero wants a place completely peaceful through force, essentially, or controlled information. Uh, this causes a rift between the two. Zero, in his paranoid state, afraid he'll lose his figurehead of his shadowy organization, creates the La Infantilery Project to clone Big Boss without Big Boss knowing. Big Boss is in a coma or something like that. He's been in, like, three fucking comas. Um... So when Big Boss finds out that he cloned him, he's like, oh, I can't believe you did that. So he defects and creates Outer uh, Haven, and then Zero went on to create the Patriot AIs and all that shit. Um, Ocelot has kind of been uh, a double agent between the two until he got taken over by Liquid Ocelot. Um, so Eva's basically like uh, Ocelot can't gain full access to the SOP system because he only has part of Big Boss's genetic code, just like Snake only has part of Big Boss's genet- genetic code. But they have Big Boss's body, which is technically alive. They say through like nanomachines, but he's like he's like a skeleton essentially. But if Liquid Ocelot were to gain access to this body, he can gain full access to the SOP system and uh, fuck everything up. And guess what? That's exactly what happens. You catch up to Liquid Ocelot, he gets the body, he gains full access to the SOP system, he shuts down everybody's guns except for his soldiers, he's fucking shooting helicopters out of the air without a a bullet, they're just falling out of place, everybody's shitting their pants and going crazy. And uh, that's what happened. Liquid Ocelot essentially throws the world into chaos because the SOP system doesn't work for anybody. Uh, There's a big ceasefire across the world, and they're talking like, that's a bad thing, it's really strange. The only, so, they're like, oh fuck, like, shit's crazy. The only thing Liquid Assault has left to do to gain, like, complete access to controlling the world, essentially, is he has to take out the last, he has to take out the main AI, which is GW, and replace it with JD, which is the AI from Metal Gear Solid 2 that he kept. Um, he hacked JD essentially to be his own through his through the body of Big Boss, and he wants to replace the main AI GW with JD, and he'll be in control of the complete system and every military force in the world. Essentially, uh, so his plan to do that though is he needs to launch a nuke at GW in space, <laughs> and the only one anybody can think of would be the nuclear launcher on Metal Gear Rex. From Shadow Moses from Metal Gear Solid 1. I need a drink. So this is where the big nostalgia trip happens, and Liquid, Ocelot, and Snake both go to Moses, Shadow Moses Island to retrieve uh, the nuclear launcher off of it. You fight Crying Wolf or whoever the fuck, and it's completely whatever. Uh, a bunch of nostalgia happens, a bunch of flashbacks. But if we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty... You eventually find Metal Gear Rex, Uh, Raiden shows up to help fend off uh, Vamp while you take down a bunch of Metal Gear Rays, or sorry, Gex, Geckos coming after you. Um, Eventually, you gain access to Metal Gear Rex as you guys burst through the facility while you're wielding it, and you have a big mech fight between Metal Gear Ray, Metal Gear Rex, Liquid Ocelot, and Metal Gear Ray, and it's fucking awesome. Uh, I should note here, actually, that they did grab the nuclear launcher off of Rax. It's too late for Snake and shit, I think. Um, just when Liquid Ocelot is about to die, uh, he just fakes out Snake, and he's like, see you later. Uh, Fox Die doesn't work on me anymore from Hell gear Solid 1, and he flees in the newly refurbished arsenal gear from Hell gear Solid 2, which now houses the JD AI. And that's where Liquid's, um, base of operations is, essentially. Uh, so Snake is retrieved by Raiden, um, and Ocelot, and they go on to their final mission to stop Ocelot directly on Outer Haven. So, basically they do that, they meet up with May Link, she has the only ship that's not being run by the SOP system, uh, and they go to take him out, and basically uh, a bunch of dumb shit happens, uh... Meryl helps you get through the main facility part as you take down another reincarnation of Psycho Mantis. Or it's the original Psycho Mantis and he never died. It's not made clear. Uh, Johnny Sasaki is the poop guy from all the other games. He's one of Meryl's soldiers here, by the way. And they fall in love. Who cares? Uh, Snake goes to the facility. He has to crawl through a fucking microwave to get to J.D., But he does. Oh, by the way, I can't believe I didn't fucking think of this. So Naomi, this whole time, Naomi and Sunny have been working on a new AI cluster that Emma worked on from Elder Solid 2 to take down all of the AI systems in one go. And that's what Snake has to upload. Naomi also died of her cancer during Shadow Moses. (laughs) Missing a lot of parts here, but it's not really important in the overall thing. Anyway, Snake successfully uploads the virus that shuts down all of the AI's and it's super awesome. He goes on top of the submarine arsenal gear they're at, and Liquid Ocelot's there, and he's like, "You fool! This is what I wanted the whole time." And Snake's like, Dude, "I don't, even, I don't fucking care." <laughs> uh, so they have a giant, f- two old men shirtless have a giant fist fight on top of a submarine. It's fucking awesome. They beat the shit out of each other. Uh, Snake wins, and Liquid Ocelot basically is like, "Oh, by the way, I'm Revolver Ocelot." Uh, This is what I wanted the whole time Now the world's gonna go back To like the ice age And then fucking Otacon calls you and he's like wait that's not true Sunny perfected the virus So it like It keeps all the essential systems It just shut, shuts down the military shit So everything's awesome And you're like what the fuck is going on And then it goes to the end of the game And Snake, Meryl has a wedding Snake's in the graveyard He's looking at the the grave of the boss. Who doesn't know that's the boss? Anyway, Big Boss shows up and he's like, what the fuck? You can't be alive. I saw your body. Big Boss is like, no, that was Solidus' body. I'm actually alive. I was retrieved by Eva, Eva, Ocelot, and Raiden way back. And I've been healing this whole time. So I'm here. Also, here's Zero. Zero's is like a comatose corpse in a fucking wheelchair. And Big Boss explains everything... The AI completely took over the Patriot Zero, like, went out of commission way back. They're fucking up everything. Uh, yeah, Liquid Ocelot was actually just Revolver Ocelot who h- hypnotized himself to fool the Patriot AI system. So he could do all this shit to fulfill the boss's dream, which isn't actually her dream. And Big Boss admits that he didn't fulfill her dream either and that they're all fuck-ups. And then he's like, oh, shit, Snake, you got infected with the new fox die. And he's like, what? And you're like, remember that injection that drevin did? Well, that was a new strain of fox die. And it overrated the old ones. Now Snake won't be a walking time bomb. But it kills Big Boss. They have a very emotional send back. Snake can now go live the rest of his life in peace because he saved the world. That's my all your solid for. Bye.
0: Thanks for that, Reed. You're Uh, welcome. (laughs) We don't have a lot of uh, time left in this show. Where do we begin on a discussion of Metal Gear Solid 4? Um,
1: I think where we have to start off with Metal Gear Solid 4 is just the story behind its development. First of all, I think obviously we'll have a second part of Metal Gear Solid 4. We're not going to be able to talk about everything. Um, But it should be noted that this is where the tinfoil hats come on. So for Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, and 3, Lee, there was a co-director or co-writer, I forget, named Fukushima, okay? Gotcha. Everybody attributes Fukushima with being, like, the person who kept Kojima in line, essentially. And not in line as in, like, so he's not fucking doing something bad, but keeping his ideas <laughs> in check, his ridiculous bullshit in check. Keeping him keeping him on the level. Yeah. Melgear yeah. Solid 4 comes around. There is no Fukushima. He left. Furthermore, that much is clear. Furthermore, this was going to be the Melgear Solid where Kojima finally handed off the reins to a brand new director and everything. He was just going to be a story consultant and producer uh, until the new director started getting death threats and Kojima felt that he had to finish it. So he did. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 4 is fan service to video game. I think you and me can both agree on that. Uh, I
0: if anything, yeah. yeah.
1: If if this game was solely out to finish the story of Solid Snake and the Patriot AI, I think you could have done that without a lot of this fan service. That being said, I don't dislike Metal Solid 4. It's one of my more favorite Metal Solid's, for instance. But I really like anime fan service bullshit. It's, like, some of my favorites. Not fan service, and like, like, titties and stuff. But, uh... Fan too. of like going to shadow Moses again. I love that. Woo. I love that shit. Um, I know you have completely <laughs> different feelings about Metal Gear Solid 4 than me, though.
0: Yeah, so this was a game I played after having uh, marathoned through Metal Gear Solid One, Two, and Three in like a week, and uh, ended up here. And from a technical point of view, from from a at the point it was released on the PS3 exclusively, of course. And uh, it has that weird thing where between chapters it needs to actually install and, and optimize the load or whatever, which is fucking crazy. It's like, go make a sandwich while uh, Salt Snake smokes a cigarette. All that stuff's funny. Uh, in the time it was released, it was, like, a huge fucking deal. And uh, the game mostly lived up to the hype in terms of just a technical marvel, which, let's be honest, is uh, what Metal Gear Solid 2 was to many people. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, like... From a, from a visual point of view, from a gameplay point of view, uh, the stuff they add, the characterization of, of Solid Snake himself in this game, that's all fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm much more of a big boss fan than a Solid Snake fan. I, I don't uh, get as teary-eyed for the, the story of the Solid Snake, who's like a, a, a soldier grown in a bottle and uh, knows only a military life and sneaking. Uh, compared to the more nuanced Big Boss, where he's he's trying to accomplish something on a much larger scale and fucking it up left and right, uh, that's all. F- it's it's the part where they bring the Big Boss stuff into this timeline at with the rug pull at the end and the uh, and the whole body of Big Boss and all that and the AI. It's just like it. Uh, I'm playing the game. I'm getting from point A to point B. My eyes are rolling back in my head whenever I hear nanites uh, or Net-on Fox die. <laughs> yeah nano nano machines uh i uh, nanites is avengers we don't want um it's it's yeah like the boss fights are wholly un un like compared to the previous games are very unimaginative in my opinion uh i don't know man yeah it's it's
1: definitely that's very common complaints is like the boss fights uh some of the levels are very boring But the characterization of Solid Snake is very well done. I do disagree with you. It's the strongest part. I think Solid Snake is a much more interesting character than Big Boss. I think Big Boss uh, changes personality every game. I don't think there's any nuance between his transitions. Whereas Solid Snake, I think, has a wonderful story. He's born as a slave. He grew up as a soldier. But despite all that, he still decided to become a hero. And I like feel-good stories. I do like hero characters. I think Salt Snake fits a lot of those bills so fucking well. And, like, that's all he has left. Even his last quote of the game when he's in the graveyard, I didn't mention this in the story summary, but he's going to shoot himself to prevent the spread of fox die. And he still views it as his responsibility. There's one last mission I must do. One last punishment I must endure. Because at the same time, he does recognize... Because he's not a one-dimensional character, that despite all the good he's done, he still murdered hundreds of people, and he's still only ever been a killer, and that's all he views himself as. So I love the characterization of Snake in this game. That being said, like you, like you were talking about the the stuff with like let's make the Metal Gear Solid Three cast found the Patriots for some reason, like and then explaining <laughs> how zero needed big boss to be like the icon for his group when which makes no fucking sense because you need the patriots to be secret that's their whole gimmick is that they're secret but you need him to be or it makes no fucking sense uh i think including this melior solid three cast like same paramedic is fucking doctor whoever that worked on gray fox like these horrible experiments and then melior solid three paramedic is talking about godzilla movies like it's fucking stupid like what does that do for anybody like was there anybody that was like oh yeah dude paramedic was found the patriots whoa like does nothing for anybody absolutely ridiculous like even doing zero and everything absolutely ridiculous how much better off would have melgar solid four bit if they just stuck with melgar solid three cannon and they're just like, no, like the Patriots AI is like, who gives a fuck where they come from? They're just here now, like deal with it. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't something that needed to be explained beyond the fact that the philosophers reorganized into the Patriots made made AI, AI killed them, kill the AI. That's all it had to have been, in my opinion. Uh, tying this all up to Melly Solid Three and specifically the boss's last wish, because that's the entire crux of Liquid Ocelot and Big Boss in this game. Is, uh, is is so weird for many reasons especially because it also involves zero and that's why he made the patriots right was for the boss's mm-hmm. vision but here's the problem lee there's only one fucking person who ever talked to the boss in middle gear solid 3 and that was big boss ocelot had very little interaction with her and it wasn't anything personal it was just like some military orders and then zero never talked to fucking the boss so when you when you play Metal your Solid 4 and Revolver Ocelot and Zero do all this crazy shit because of their own interpretation of the boss's will, you're like, you guys weren't even fucking friends with her and now you're going to be changing the world over her vision? <laughs> Absolutely fucking yep. ridiculous. And that's just Kojima reaching for them grapes trying to connect these dots when they didn't need to be connected.
0: Dude, he he wrote a canonized... Uh, plot and ending for the poop guy, as you called him. Yeah, I like to call him the stomach issues guy. But, uh, what's his name? Jonathan Sasaki. What's his, uh, what's Johnny his name? Sasaki. Yeah, he and and not only that, the guy gets to marry Meryl. Yeah, and, he's, <laughs> and like he's good looking. He he doesn't get the
1: nano because he like hates needles and like. Like and, he's not, and, like, and that's the thing, is if I was talking about this plot, Lee, like, he's such an unessential character. Like, in the overall plot, he doesn't do anything. So why why are you making the poop guy a character?
0: I had uh, someone tell me completely earnestly, and we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up for today and really dig into it in two weeks' time, because next week's a little, a little something different. Uh, it When... Uh, when Snake's like, oh, okay, it's curtains for Solid Snake, where does this series go from here? And it's like, well, the series is done now, as it is with every Metal Gear Solid. We announced that this is the last one, and uh, we, we move on thinking there will never be another. Uh, but someone dead ass said that Johnny Sasaki would become the new main character, and that Raiden <laughs> would be like a pliskin character in the next Metal Gear, and that Johnny Sasaki will have to go, like, become... I'm like, what the fuck? But this is also someone that thought the game was great top like soup to nuts
1: no uh, so I, I, fan
0: service yeah i, I uh, and we're talking about guys getting death threats because the wrong director is working on the game there there is a subsect of fans out there that will apologize uh and make excuses for most everything in this game
1: <laughs> right like well like i said i even enjoy the fan service i just th- i think fan service is great like for shadow moses like that's great fan service that's really pulling the nostalgia strings in a really unique fun way modernized like you, you see all like the cameras broken now that you're in the future just like snake everything is old shadow moses is just as broken down and it's shitty a bunch as, of orbs as, with hands as snake yeah as snake <laughs> is at this point in the game but then like you said you have poop guy fucking marrying meryl and like there, see, there's two sides of fan service, is what I'm saying. There's good and bad fan service, just like there's good and bad story points. And unfortunately, in Metal Gear Solid 4, I think there's more bad fan service than there is
0: good. I I would, uh, yeah. How can you disagree with that? Yeah. <laughs> the uh, like Even down to the wrap-up, every boss fight in that game, and it's just like, let's have a little uh, perverted photo shoot. Here, sure, yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, but what game is this? <laughs> it's like what I always say. I'm just like, well, this is completely taking me out of, of the story you're trying to tell here that I'm barely hanging on to. Uh, but yeah, it's just like you said. Uh, hey, Ocelot being involved here and the whole thing with the Patriots and and Ocelot's uh, motivations in this game—that's uh, all bullshit. Yet when he's fighting shirtless on the top it's of so Arsenal awesome. gear or whatever. It's just like, well, we have to get here, so, I mean, he had to do something, yeah, right? Yeah, like, it's
1: so. so, like, and my problem isn't with Revolver doing all this sneaky stuff. I really like Revolver Ocelot. He's, like, my favorite character. It's just, I, it'd be like, hey, Lee, we're gonna have a, make a new Spider-Man movie where, like, you know, fucking Craven comes in and he's gonna swear vengeance for Vulture. And you're like, oh, okay, so they're gonna show a scene of, like, Craven talking to Vulture? I'm like, no. And they're like, okay, they're gonna make a scene where like Vulture saves Craven's life. No, any interaction at all between those two characters. No, just like we'll have we'll have Craven come out and say he's a big fan of Vulture, and that's it. That's fucking kick- stupid.
0: That's his motivations. So yeah. that's it, man. He's radicalized. Uh, at Iceberg Podcast is where you can find us on Twitter. Lee at Tits is my email address. Go back a couple days and listen to Tits of the Iceberg for some uh, pop culture and crispy chicken sandwich goodness. Otherwise, I'll be back again next Tuesday with more Tits of the Iceberg. And then on Thursday, April Fool's Day, we've got a little something special lined up. So look forward to that. Thank you, as always, for listening. For myself, Lee, and for Reed, thanks for signing up. We'll talk to you again next week.